The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration defines distracted driving as any activity that diverts attention from driving, including talking or texting on your phone, eating and drinking, talking to people in your vehicle, and fiddling with the stereo entertainment or navigation system, anything that takes your attention away from the task of safe driving. Texting is the most alarming distraction. Sending or reading a text takes your eyes off the road for five seconds. At 55 miles per hour, that's like driving the length of an entire football field with your eyes closed. You cannot drive safely unless the task of driving has your full attention. Any non-driving activity you engage in is a potential distraction and increases your risk of crashing. Using a cell phone while driving creates enormous potential for deaths and injuries on U.S. roads. In 2018 alone, more than 2,800 people were killed in motor vehicle crashes involving distracted drivers. On September 19, 2016, MSU freshman Mitchell Kiefer was tragically killed in an auto accident caused by a distracted driver on I-96 on Mitchell's way to the MSU campus. Steve Kiefer is Mitchell's father. Steve earned a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering from Michigan State University and is a member of the Michigan State University College of Engineering Alumni Association Advisory Board. He's GM's key executive at Michigan State University and is a member of GM's senior leadership team. He's senior vice president and president of General Motors South America and International Operations, meaning he's responsible for GM operations outside of North America and China. Soon after Mitchell's death, Steve founded the Kiefer Foundation to honor Mitchell's legacy. The mission of the Kiefer Foundation is to end distracted driving and all associated traffic deaths and injuries. The Kiefer Foundation focuses on three pillars to support its mission, awareness, technology, and policy. Within each of these pillars are specific goals they hope to achieve and initiatives in which they hope to get involved. They've already made some progress, but still have a long way to go. Steve, it's great to welcome you to this Spartan story inside MSU today. And I'm just so sorry for your loss. Well, thank you, Russ. I, I, I really appreciate, uh, first of all, your introduction, but also your invitation for um, uh, to allow me to join join this podcast and really um, tell our story and hopefully um, create some additional awareness around the, the dangers of distracted driving. Is there anything you would add about distracted driving to my introduction? Well, yeah, I think the, the first thing I would add is, um, you know, until something like this happens to you personally, I don't think you really, um, people really understand the uh, the magnitude of this problem. And, um, you know, I, I like to point out some of the, uh, the global statistics as it relates to highway safety um, as I start these discussions. So first, I think it's important for people to realize that around the world, because this is a global problem, around the world, 1.25 million people are killed on the highways of the world um, uh, every year, 1.25 million. So it's a huge number and some 50 million are uh, injured or disabled every year in car crashes and uh, pedestrian related car crashes around the world. So the number is really quite, quite staggering. Um, you talked about um, some of the, the NHTSA data and uh, when you bring that to the US, you know, we lose somewhere between 35,000, 40,000 people on the uh, highways of the United States each year. Again, 40,000 people, is, it's a staggering number. 
Uh, and usually when um, the, the, the folks that do the analysis on distracted driving, they usually estimate that about 10% of those are due to uh, distracted driving. We um, honestly believe that number is way underreported. As a matter of fact, um, you know, the stats would generally say that 94% of crashes that occur on the highways are due to some type of um, human error. So, you know, whether it, it could be just speeding or drinking and driving or drowsiness, but we know a large, large percentage of those are distracted driving. So, again, the simple stat that I think is most staggering is that um, in this country, 10 people every day are killed by distracted driving. And it's just, you know, again, until you go through it, it's just hard for me to imagine that today and tomorrow and the next day, every day we're going to have another 10 people, another 10 families going through um, what my family has gone through. And it, it really is, um, you know, one of the, the, the prime motivators for us to, to, to get something done here and really bring an end to distracted driving. So tell us more about Mitchell and what happened. Yeah. So um, uh, the story never, never gets easier to tell, but um, you know, as you said, it was, um, it was actually September 19th of uh, 2016, the worst day of our life. Uh, Mitchell was in his first month at MSU, and he had come home for a, a nice weekend to, to, to go see a, a Lions game, actually. And he was driving uh, up to MSU on, on I-96 early uh, Monday morning, about 7.50 in the morning. And, um, you know, it was a, a beautiful Monday morning. The sun was out. The roads were dry. You know, no reason for, for you know, a, a crash to occur. And unfortunately, there was a, uh, a little bit of uh, traffic congestion. Uh, the traffic slowed down. Mitchell slowed down. And unfortunately, the, the young lady behind him did not. Um, she um, impacted uh, Mitchell's car at about 82 miles an hour. And as most people probably know, when airbags deploy, there's a, um, there's a flight recording function inside modern automobiles. So you get the forensics from the, from the vehicle. Um, it was clear that the, the car was going 82 miles an hour, but also that at the time of impact, uh, the driver's foot was on the throttle, not on the brake. So again, that's a pretty clear indication that, um, that uh, the young lady was, was, was not, uh, not paying attention and, and never touched the brakes. So that resulted in Mitch Mitchell being rear-ended and driven across a, a very narrow median on I-96 near Dietz Road, uh, a narrow median that has uh, had no guardrails at the time. And Mitchell was driven into oncoming traffic where he was hit by a, a large truck and, uh, and killed instantly. So um, you know, th those are the circumstances. And again, it's just, it, it's a horrific thing to think that, um, you know, one small sort of act of, um, of uh, you know, lack of paying attention of distraction can just, you know, really destroy lives for forever. Again, I'm so sorry, Steve. And we did mention the three pillars of focus for the Kiefer Foundation are awareness, technology, and policy. Let, let's break those down and talk about the awareness pillar. Yeah. So, so, you know, first and foremost, we, um, you know, we felt that uh, as we learned how, how, how large this problem is. And, and, and interestingly enough, we referred to it as a global pandemic, uh, you know, several years ago before the more recent pandemic. And, and I, I really believe that, uh, that, it, that it is a, a global pandemic. This is, um, you know, certainly, um, as, I, as I covered in the earlier stats, you know, causing, causing deaths and, and, you know, disabling injuries all over the world. So we felt, um, first and foremost, it was important to make as many people realize this as possible. And you do find that there's, you know, families like ours all over the country that have a similar goal. So things like, um, you know, uh, advertising, billboards, um, 
uh, a number of um, community events. We engaged with um, a nonprofit organization in Grand Rapids, Michigan called the Peers Foundation, which brings um, uh, simulators into schools and churches uh, around the state and around the country to educate uh, young people on uh, the dangers of distracted driving. We're able to put them in a car, let them uh, drive in a simulated fashion, and then distract them and, and show how it causes crashes. So these things are, you know, sort of all in the in the categories of uh, of um, awareness. Um, we also uh, had the opportunity to do some things um, uh, to memorialize Mitchell, but um, also to to create awareness. So uh, you know, Mitchell was um, was a uh, hockey player. He went to Detroit Catholic Central. He was part of the uh, the um, uh, 2016 state championship uh, Catholic Central hockey team, and he was a goalie. Um, we uh, they won that uh, state championship at an ice rink, a USA Hockey rink in Plymouth, Michigan. And we worked with the uh, the uh, USA Hockey Foundation and actually dedicated that rink uh, in Mitchell's honor. So that ice rink is now known as the uh, Mitchell Kiefer Memorial Ice Rink, which um, really feels good from a from a from a you know, from the perspective of a father to memorialize your son. But more importantly, um, we didn't just put Mitchell's name. We um, it's it's covered with distracted driving messages. Uh, there's a uh, a locker that has a, a video that runs with um, distracted driver uh, um, statistics and other messages. And, you know, that ice rink, um, there's 500,000 people that visit that ice rink each year for various uh, activities, whether it's hockey games or or um, you know, ice skating competitions, figure skating competitions, and I can't tell you how many people contact me and say, you know, Mr. Keeper, we're in your son's ice rink right now, and I've, it's given me an opportunity to talk to my children and my family about these dangers. And your your message is having a huge impact um, in this ice rink alone. So I, there's several other examples I could give, but that's probably the one that's kind of closest to my heart because you know, every time I visit that ice rink, it's um, you know, such fond memories of, of Mitchell and, 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 and the state championship, but also a really um, uh, effective way to spread a message of, uh, of uh, driver safety. And what about the technology pillar, Steve? Tell me more about that. Yeah, so technology has um, got many aspects to it. Um, in, in some cases, it's, uh, it's related to awareness, educating people that, you know, you, you need to be more cautious when driving. And in its simplest form, there's a number of um, technology tools that people can be using right now. Um, the uh, safe driving mode and do not disturb mode on your uh, Apple phones and your Android phones. I mean, those tools work very well if um, if you can just get everyone that you know and uh, and your families and friends to use those tools. Essentially, disabling the phone um, from you know receiving texts or calls when you're when you're driving. So th those are some of the I, I call them simple. I, I would say um, you know already in place sort of technologies that um, we continue to encourage uh, uh, folks to, to use and, and really take personal accountability and, and use them. Um, but there's other things, there's a number of uh, newer technologies that um, are being developed, um, uh, driver monitoring tools um, by some vendors that are sort of watching the driver as they drive and recording these things and hopefully, um, you know, uh, alerting drivers when their eyes are not on the road for, for, uh, for, a, uh, for a short period. Um, these 
technologies are, are being you know developed there's other technologies related to blocking uh blocking the use of phones simple simple technologies like um you know phone bags that uh, sometimes we we force young people to use if the phone is in the bag it can't receive a signal and then it's in the car it's a, a fairly simple technology and then maybe the final one that, that we're really quite proud of and it's a little bit of a stretch on the technology theme is the um concept of these cable guardrails um, I described uh, in my opening comments about um, the, the circumstances of Mitchell's uh, crash. Had there been a, um, a guardrail on that narrow median on, on uh, I-96, uh, it would have stopped Mitchell's car from going into oncoming traffic, and he, he probably wouldn't have even been injured at all. Um, so, you know, we um, worked with the Michigan Department of Transportation on these very simple cable guardrails that you see all over the state. And um, we actually did a co-funding project, half sponsored by the Kiefer Foundation and half sponsored by MDOT, to put in about uh, five miles of cable guardrail at the point where Mitchell's um, uh, crash occurred. Now, when we did that, we really thought it was kind of a, a ceremonial thing. I, I kind of thought, you know, I just I just wanted that that exact point on the highway to be to be safe. I couldn't imagine, but within the first year, that guardrail was hit 12 times. Um, so, you know, it, it, it just, you know, it, it just again says that, you know, the simple technology like these cable guardrails, which are really quite inexpensive and cost effective, you know, we know it's, it, it saved 12 lives uh, in, in that short period of time. And, you know, you continue to see it all over the state where you see these cable guardrails that have been damaged or knocked down. You know they are they are effective and they are uh, saving lives. And Steve, as part of the Kiefer, Kiefer Foundation goals, you said you're really focusing on the policy pillar. So tell us what you're working on policy-wise to end distracted driving. Yeah. So over um, you know the last uh, I would say two years, we shifted our focus because we we knew awareness was important. We know technology solutions will continue to come, and and you know and uh, maybe a little later in the the the. Uh, our discussion here, we'll talk about autonomous driving, which is kind of the, the ultimate thing that will, um, you know, eliminate the, the driver, uh, the driver errors that cause crashes. But we also um, realized that um, legislation and policy can be an extremely important uh, piece of this. And, you know, if you reflect back on, um, you know, the, the progress that's been made, I would say in my lifetime, since, you know, the, the 1980s and 90s, uh, when you look at um, drunk driving in in those decades, of course, um, you know it was a huge problem. And uh, what what we saw is a, a group of you know very motivated and very influential people called uh, Mothers Against Drunk Drivers got very active on the legislative front and also in the courts. So they first made sure that there were very stiff drunk driving laws in place. Um, which was kind of the, the first step. And then second, they sat in the courtrooms and just made sure that anybody that was, you know, was, was guilty of these things rece received very severe uh, punishment. And, um, you know, when I was young, that seemed like a, a crazy group of people and, and, and a lot of us didn't understand it until you lose a child, then you realize exactly why they were doing what they're doing. And, um, you know, if you look over the years now, the, the, the drunk driving um, occurrences have, have, have completely changed. And I would even say culturally for, you know, all of your listeners, if you, if you think about, you know, the, the younger generation right now, I mean, I know my kids would, would never even consider getting behind a wheel after drinking. It's, it's you know, it's they kind of equate it to, you know, I don't know, um, holding up a bank or something. You just, you wouldn't do something like that. So behavior has changed completely. And of course it, you know, there's other things available like Uber and Lyft now, which has also really helped, you know, bring down the, the, the need for anyone to be driving under the influence. So I spent a long time on that because I, I think that that whole behavioral change that was the result of drunk driving laws and really 
the um, has really had a, a very significant impact. If I fast forward to to, to uh, the laws that we're working on now, it's about uh, hands-free legislation, which we which we call this um, the distracted driving laws that we're we're talking about now. And really, it's it's um, it basically says that if you're in a vehicle and you're holding the phone for any reason, holding the phone, it becomes a primary offense. Uh, law enforcement can see it; they can pull you over, and you receive a severe ticket. By the way, this is not unusual. This is what most developed countries do around the world. I've spent you know many years living in Europe. In Europe, if you hold your phone in the car, it's instantly you know 400, 500 euro penalty. So it's it's not um, uh, it's not a uh, a new or unusual practice. But we're trying to get these hands-free laws implemented in um, every state in the country. And um, you know, we really believe that if uh, if the laws are in place, and then the awareness and enforcement is in place, and this is really important that that we have a tool that law enforcement can use, because right now, you know, uh, laws that are that that are uh, ban that ban texting still allow people to hold the phone in the car, and it's just impossible for law enforcement to determine what a person is doing on their phone to to distinguish between texting and. And, uh, and and phone usage. So really, we believe that the hands-free laws um, will uh, will give law enforcement uh, a tool that will basically be able to you know uh, uh, change behavior. And then through enforcement and education, we uh, we're optimistic that we can bring down the uh, the traffic crashes significantly. And, and you know, and I would I would just say that um, you know the the data supports that. Um, every state that has implemented these laws has seen uh, significant reductions in uh, crashes and deaths as a, re- as a result of these uh, hands-free laws. So Steve, how can anyone joining our conversation get involved and help? Yeah, um, a, a great um, a great question. So we're, um, we're uh, in the process of um, uh, re, uh, re-energizing a, a campaign that we refer to as Hands-Free Michigan. Um, we first introduced this a couple of years ago and um, we, we agreed to take a bit of a pause during the, uh, the uh, the, the latest pandemic last year, but um, it's time now to get uh, re-energized on this. Um, the, um, the, there's uh, now 25 states that have these hands-free laws in place. And as I said, they're, um, they're all having a very significant impact on reducing um, uh, crashes and deaths. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to get the law passed here in Michigan. So um, what we're trying to do right now, uh, there's a bill that's being um, uh, developed and sponsored uh, in the House right now in, uh, in Michigan. And um, our, our hope and expectation is to get as many people on board as possible to support this, this bill and to support the, uh, the passing of a law referred to as hands-free. And um, we, um, we have uh, a goal here to um, basically get uh, this law uh, brought forward, get the bill brought forward and through um, the state legislature and uh, passed into law by uh, September of this year. Well, again, it's the Kiefer Foundation, and there's a lot more at mkiefer.org. That's M-K-I-E-F-E-R, or it's probably easier these days just to Google the Kiefer Foundation. And again, their mission is to end distracted driving and all associated traffic deaths and injuries. We're talking with its founder, Stephen Kiefer, who is, uh, as we said, uh, your day job, Steve, you're a part of the senior leadership team at General Motors, and the company recently unveiled a new logo reportedly to better reflect the company's electrified future. Uh, I know we could have a conference on this, Steve, but just in general, 
What's the state and future of the automotive industry and, and General Motors in particular? Well, yeah, thanks for asking. You know, I've been uh, in automotive uh, my entire life. I, I actually started uh, at General Motors as a as a 19 year old Michigan State engineering co-op student. And um, it's just been an incredible uh, career in the auto industry. Uh, but I couldn't be more excited than than uh, than I am today as to where we're headed as an industry and where we're headed as uh, as General Motors. As you as you uh, mentioned, um, the new logo is just a piece of it. It's an exciting new logo that really represents the future of of GM. And you know we have a, a vision at GM of uh, a future of zero crashes, zero emissions, and zero congestion. And again, I'm, I'm very proud of what the company's doing in that respect. This concept of zero crashes, um, you know, ultimately I mentioned that uh, as we get to autonomous driving and, and we will, um, we, you know, we're, we're convinced that this will essentially eliminate um, all traffic crashes related to, to human error. So we're optimistic about that, but uh, unfortunately that's, uh, that's many years in the future. Uh, and in the meantime, you know, I personally believe that um, ending distracted driving and keeping drivers uh, eyes on the road and hands on the wheels, as we say, is probably the best thing we can do to, to reduce crashes in the short term. Um, the second one I mentioned, the, the zero emissions, um, we, uh, we do believe in an all electric future and um, the, uh, the um, uh, plan to uh, roll out a whole portfolio of uh, new uh, battery electric vehicles is just extremely exciting. Uh, uh, if uh, you were able to see any of the, um, the uh, reviews out of the Consumer Electronics Show this year, uh, the team at General Motors just, uh, just killed it in that, uh, in, that, um, uh, uh, in that technology show. Uh, just probably more technology than I could, uh, I could talk through in a few minutes here, but I just couldn't be more excited and more proud of um, the, uh, the path that uh, GM's on. And um, you know, it's, uh, it's gonna be a really exciting year and a really exciting decade as we uh, forge into the future of the auto industry. And Steve, how does General Motors define mobility? That's sort of a buzzword we hear a lot, but what is, how does GM define it and sort of explain the difference between electrification and autonomous, although they go hand in hand, they are different, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, electrification uh, has, has many forms, but uh, in its broadest sense, it's, um, it's uh, the idea of moving from, uh, you know, propulsion systems that are based on internal combustion engines like uh, gasoline and diesel engines into, uh, you know, propulsion systems that are driven by, uh, by uh, electric motors and electricity. Um, I say it that way because I think uh, even fuel cells, hydrogen fuel cells, which are in our future as well, are, are another way to produce electricity electricity for an electric vehicle. So, um, you know, and then there's, there's, um, you know, many companies up, out there that are doing various steps of uh, electrification, you know, hybrid vehicles and so on. But again, um, we're focused on uh, this all electric future, which is really about uh, battery electric vehicles. And you'll uh, start to see uh, more and more of them um, uh, rolled out. Uh, and I'm especially, especially excited about the, uh, the new um, uh, Hummer EV that uh, we recently uh, introduced and, and uh, revealed uh, that'll be available later uh, this year, and that is just going to be the highest performing uh, electric uh, truck in the in the uh, in the industry. And I, I couldn't be more excited to uh, to get that one out into the the market. So that's you know really uh, electric vehicles. We we do believe um, you know that autonomous vehicles are probably best suited on a. Uh, electric vehicle platform, which is, uh, which is our plan. And, um, you know, some of the announcements that you, that you may have seen over these last couple of weeks, a new partnership with Microsoft, uh, 
in uh, uh, together with our cruise uh, automation company in California, um, really focused on uh, leading the uh, the industry in uh, autonomous vehicles. You know, um, I, I feel um, I'm extremely proud of what our uh, the GM team has done um, in uh, in developing our autonomous fleet and our autonomous vehicles. But um, you know, I, I always say it's one thing for for us to brag about it, but um, you know, over just the last several years, uh, there's been announcements of um, uh, Honda Motor Company uh, participating in our autonomous activity. Now Microsoft, and uh, even prior to that, uh, SoftBank made a, a very significant investment. So, um, you know, I would just say uh, some of the uh, the world um, uh, industry and financial leaders are betting on General Motors as it relates to autonomous. And uh, I uh, again, I couldn't be more proud of uh, of that work. And Steve, what about both some challenges and opportunities then for GM to reach these mobility goals? Yeah, I think um, you know the the sky's the limit here. There's um, you know there's there's you know technology always uh, comes with challenges um, and uh, and risk. But um, you know I think uh, one is um, you know a pipeline of um, extremely bright, intelligent, motivated people and. Um, I'm uh, I'm I'm excited in uh, my role uh, participate, participating with uh, the MSU College of Engineering to uh, to at least help define some of those needs so that we get some of the best new engineers coming into our company. I think our story at General Motors right now is is absolutely fantastic, and I think um, it's really helping us because I can't tell you how many people want to join the cause, want to join uh, General Motors, whether it's uh, young engineering students or even seasoned industry veterans. Um, a lot of people are uh, looking to General Motors and wanting to be part of the, the future success story. So I think the, you know, the human capital and getting the right people in is always uh, important uh, and a challenge, but I think we're well positioned. I think the other thing is um, you know, there's a whole area of um, I would say uh, legislative and infrastructure challenges, you know, getting um, electrical charging uh, uh, in place in countries all over the world is not without challenge. And then, um, you know, as you move to uh, the idea of um, removing the driver from the car and these truly autonomous vehicles, um, that uh, that comes with a, a lot you know, obviously we want to do that with safety as the, the absolute highest priority, as do all the uh, communities and countries that we uh, that we work in. So there's uh, some pretty cautious and, um, you know, time consuming uh, legislation, le legislative hur hurdles that need to be overcome. Really, really exciting days ahead, to be sure, Steve. And we've both mentioned your time at, but at MSU. Take me back to why MSU was the place for you coming out of high school. Yeah, it's kind of a, a simple and interesting story. I was a I was a high school uh, senior, and I um, I had uh, first been accepted to MSU, and then to the University of Michigan, and uh, those were the only two schools I applied to. Um, I uh, I wasn't sure where I wanted to go. I had been a big U of M fan in my my middle school days, and uh, was became a bit of a Spartan fan in my in my high school days. And it was as simple as um, two campus visits. I, uh, I spent one weekend at uh, in Ann Arbor at the University of Michigan with uh, some friends, and uh, spent the next weekend at MSU. And um, you know, I just really uh, fell in love with the campus at MSU. I, uh, I really uh, nothing against uh, our colleagues from U of M, but um, uh, I, I quickly uh, felt much more comfortable and felt like MSU was the right place for me. So um, I, uh, I made that decision and. Uh, Never looked back. It was uh, a great uh, five years at MSU because I actually uh, 
was a co-op student with General Motors, so I took uh, every other semester off to work at General Motors as a student and uh, just had a great experience, college experience uh, at MSU. I must admit, though, after graduating, I decided to go back to school to get an MBA, and I did go to Ann Arbor for, uh, for that degree. But uh, I have to say my heart is always in East Lansing. Tell me a little bit more, Steve, about then how your time at MSU did impact you and prepare you for where you are now, you know, and kind of what it means to you to be a Spartan. Well, um, you know, uh, I, I must admit, um, in my uh, in my MSU days, we had some pretty rough years uh, from from a uh, from a uh, sporting and football uh, uh, performance level. So uh, I think it taught me at a young age to uh, to to know how to lose, which is important, and uh, to to make sure you can uh, you can uh, celebrate uh, and uh, and tolerate losing as much as you can celebrate and tolerate winning. Um, but, um, you know, more importantly, I think from an education standpoint, I think the MSU education for engineering was, was really good, really practical. I was actually part of, um, a, uh, a, uh, Baja team and a society of automotive engineering Baja team, where we actually built an off-road vehicle and, uh, and raced it in a competition up at Michigan tech. And, um, you know, surprisingly that project of, you know, actually designing, developing, uh, building and racing a, uh, uh, an off-road vehicle. It was um, a, a great educational experience and really had a lot of, um, you know, sort of practical um, uh, implications that kind of, kind of helped me as I, as I uh, got into uh, doing it at, uh, at General Motors. And Steve, if you can tell me a little bit more about your role on the College of Engineering Alumni Association Advisory Board, I think you've started to answer it by making sure the students are prepared for the the future work ahead, but just what do you and your fellow board members work on? Yeah, it's um, it's it's really an honor and a pleasure to to serve um, uh, with um, the dean of engineering on these uh, on the advisory board. Uh, we meet regularly to talk about uh, the progress that the uh, that the engineering school is making, some of the investments that um, the uh, school is making, and really the um, you know just the dynamically changing curriculum that's required to prepare our uh, MSU engineering students for the, the industry ahead. Um, I try to be, um, you know, fairly uh, vocal on the needs of the automotive industry and specifically the needs of General Motors. We're, we're one of the largest uh, private employers of uh, MSU graduates um, uh, in the university. So we're, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're fairly important to the university from a hiring standpoint. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm usually, uh, trying to express, you know, w- what it takes to be uh, successful at General Motors and what we're seeing from our young engineering students and how we should alter curriculums to make sure that they can be uh, most prepared and most successful for, a, for an exciting career in the auto industry. Well, Steve, as we wrap up our conversation, let's circle back to the Kiefer Foundation. What would you like us to keep in mind about the foundation and its goals? And, and again, how can we help and get involved? Yeah, I would um, say a couple of things. I would say first, um, you know, really think about the idea of, um, you know, w- what would it feel like if this happened to you? And um, I, you know, it, it's, it's really hard to get people's attention and involvement until they personalize it. So, you know, I just ask everyone to think about, you know, what would you do differently? What would you do to protect your your life and your children's life and your family if you thought that something you could do different today might save them tomorrow from, you know, a, a distracted driving related accident? Um, and, and, you know, that's, uh, that's a hard thing to imagine, but I'd ask people to, 
to recognize that, you know, we never in our lives imagined something like this could happen to us. And then, you know, one day your, your life is shattered. So, so with that in mind, then I, then I would just say, you know, a couple of additional things. Um, the next, I would just say it, it's about personal accountability because, um, you know, this is a behavioral change and every one of us have to participate. Um, I, um, I'm, I'm slightly embarrassed to admit um, how actively distracted I used to drive before this happened to me. I was um, I was somebody who could drive really well with my uh, with my knee on the wheel and looking at the phone in one hand and and maybe drinking a coffee in another. And I was I thought I was very cautious about it because uh, I knew the risk, but I, I still admit that I did it. And then it happens to you and you realize just how senseless that is. So I would say from a personal accountability, if people could just really internalize that and say, I don't need to be on this phone while I'm driving. It is just way too dangerous and it's just not worth the you know, the, the, the loss of your life or your children's life or the other people on the road. So, you know, use tools like um, the, uh, the um, do not disturb mode and the uh, safe drive mode that are readily available. Commit to them, use them, keep your eyes on the road, drive safely, and make sure your children and all your friends are doing the same. That's kind of the, the easy first step. And if everybody could just do that, we'd be, uh, we'd be in a better place. And then in a broader sense, um, for anyone that's um, willing to help us with the cause of hands-free Michigan, um, I would just say be very vocal on your support of getting laws in place that will help make our roads safer. Speak to your uh, senators, speak to your, your congressmen, speak to your you know, uh, elected officials, uh, be vocal on this because uh, it does have an impact. And um, you know, we're seeing overwhelming support for these hands-free laws. So there is just no reason why we shouldn't be able to push them over the edge and get these things implemented this year. Well, Steve, thank you so much for talking with me today and sharing Mitchell's story and all you're doing to honor his legacy. I'm sure while he's still in your heart, he's also smiling and proud looking down from heaven and Appreciate all this great work you're doing. Well, again, Russ, thank you so much for the time. Thank you for letting me tell the story. And uh, I really hope that it has an impact on some of your listeners and that we can get some support for the things we're doing. I hope everybody can uh, stay safe and uh, go green. And go white. And please find more again at mkiefer.org. That's M-K-I-E-F-E-R.org. Or just Google the Kiefer Foundation. And I'm Russ White for the Spartan Story on MSU Today.